0: Well, shit the bed. How you doing, folks? And welcome to another edition of Conversation with Shubba Green. I am your host, the main man, Shubba Green. Excuse me, real quick. Swig of water for the working man. Mm. Kroger Man water. Ain't no wrong with that. Get that forty pack about three nine nine. All right, y'all. So what are we gonna talk about? We got a, a triple main event today, as we like to I like to say. We have the Scream Six full spoiler review. We have a full review of the Last of Us series And I'm going to talk about the NCAA tournament as well But first, I want to let everybody know I appreciate everybody who listened in the last week And the bonus episode last week Got some good feedback on the the Creed 3 review of West. Wes will be back on again Not as a recurring guest But he'll see Wes maybe two or three more times this year possibly And um, I'd like to have him all, more often But you know, obviously schedules conflict Conflict of schedules Also, the rebuild starts now The, the, the uh, thing with Kenny Payne I'm a head coach at the University of Louisville, a lot of good things going on. Hopefully next week I'll come on here with some better news about that. But overall, guys, a really, really, really good thing going on right now. Um, right now with a lot of things. Um, I officially have an Instagram page of this podcast. You can search at Conversation with Shelby Green. It will come up um, just like the Facebook page. I am opening a TikTok, and I know I had an episode a while back. Of goodbye Twitter. Uh, I'm probably gonna get back on Twitter again. <laughs> um, just feel like, you know what, I can get back on it and just, I'm just gonna ignore the negativity and the bullshit and just do what I gotta do. So, yeah. Anyway, LA well, like night. Yeah. Um, so, let's talk about the three big subjects today. Obviously, a spoiler free review, uh, no, a, a spoiler review of Scream 6. If you read, and also I'm gonna rank the franchise. Obviously, 6-1, to one, 1 being the highest, 6 being the lowest. Um, the Last of Us, who it's critically acclaimed at this point. And then, of course, you get my NCAA tournament thoughts on March Madness. So, a lot of things talking about. And I did expect to record this on a Tuesday morning. However, Monday night, family and I went out to dinner. Little man's doing his homework. And I, just there, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and record now. That way I can tomorrow I can just do some laundry, relax, go work out, have a good day. Because I have been running Sunday. I was busy and today i was a little bit busy so getting my car situated um you know i, I will let you know about the city of indianapolis hey indianapolis you know we have a lot of nice things but this city really can use some work on the fucking potholes you got i've replaced three tires on my nissan my 2022 nissan ultimate three tires on them uh, excuse me i replaced two of them and i had uh, plugged up one of them now, can we get this shit figured out y'all please my god that water's good. So, let's talk about Scream 6. So, everybody knows if you're, you know, if you don't know by now, if you listen to this podcast, I am a massive horror fan. As I said, I will watch a shitty B-rated horror film before a clinically acclaimed film that you see the Oscars, the Academy Awards. And by the way, no, I did not wa- I do not watch the Academy Awards, and I do not watch the Oscars because they literally shit on horror films. They don't give horror films the do- the the due the, the they deserve, and that's why I don't watch them because they, they just, I don't think they get horror films a lot of credit. It's kind of like with the Grammys with musicians, you know. This guy, in my opinion, had the best album of the year. But so 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 whatever, uh, dipshit, come run or uh, whatever had a thousand uh, likes on a post or had a, be- a very unique sound in their single, but nobody listens to it. But they get an album of the year of the Grammys. It's like, um, I it's like why do you pay attention to that shit? So Grammys, Oscar Academy Awards, I don't even pay attention to. I'm more of a person that just has my opinion. I do my own awards. And that's how I do things. So yeah. So Scream Six, obviously picking right up after Scream Five. Now there is a couple things that caused me to raise my eye a little bit. One, Scream One and Scream Two were shot back to back. Everybody knows that. And critically people love Scream Two. They're, the fan audience though does not is not it's it's like hit or miss. And I am one of those, and as my Apple ID password comes up on my laptop, um, I am one of those people that actually likes Scream 2. And so uh, uh, um, you'll find out before my walking walk into this film, it was my second favorite film of the franchise. Obviously, you'll figure out who number one is here shortly. But I always like, like Scream 2. Scream 3, but you know, then we had a decade break, and then Scream 4 came out. Then we had another decade break, and Scream 5, now we're getting this one back to back. And I will state this. I walked in this really excited. They were they were going to get out of Woodsboro because they they went to a college in Scream 2. Scream 3, they went to California. In Scream 4 and 5, they went back to Woodsboro. They're getting out of Woodsboro. Obviously, you know, Dewey's not alive. He was killed on Scream 5. Sydney Prescott, Dale, a.k.a. Nev Campbell. I should flip that, but she's always going to be Sydney Prescott to me. She did not like her, her role in the film or her pay or whatever it was. But... Uh, hopefully, she comes back for Scream 7. And of course, you get Courtney Cox, Gail Weathers. So I'm not going to go for bit for bit for bit on this thing, but I will let you know this. Friday night, I got up Friday afternoon, excuse me Girlfriend said, hey, why don't, you, why don't we, you get up early Friday So we all go see Scream together Adrian and whatever, he wants to see it So we took Lil' Man to see Scream Went to the Cinemark Theater here in Greenwood, Indiana And I will let you know, that's probably the nicest theater in the city Limits, like from Indy to here In Greenwood if People know what I'm talking about, Greenwood's like a suburban of, of, On the south side of Indianapolis And it was probably the nicest theater I've been to, Better than the AMC one But that theater is just awesome I mean, the way it's old school, it's an old, it was an old school dollar theater, and they've done a good job cleaning it up. I like the seating they have. Um, the the, uh, the concessions are really good, in my opinion. Uh, very roomy. The seats, you have heated seats. So, obviously, you go to a thea- movie theater. I don't know about, you all know, but my girlfriend constantly is cold all the time. She takes a damn blanket with her, and little man does, too. So, it's nice having some heated seats. So, we, we wa- I walked in. I was like, okay, this is starting out good. So, obviously, you go to a good theater. It's great. Opening up this film, you know, obviously you see Serrano Weaver. She is out on a dinner date wearing a dress. And Serrano Weaver, obviously, I remember her from Ready or Not, one of my favorite horror films of the last 10 to 15 years. A film that actually me and um, actually came out in 2019, I think. And it's actually one of those films where you watch it, it's a damn good time. I recommend that Ready or Not with Serrano. I can't say if I butchered anyone, but she's in that film it's really good check it out but um she opens up she's on like a like a not like a double like a a blind date and she's a college professor you find out and she's basically like trying to you know figure out who this guy is text messages they call and you hear the voice and obviously we all know this swerve is coming we know it is obviously you know it's to kill the voice of whoever the ghost face is by the way one of the we talk about iconic voices in cinema Roger L. Jackson, as the voice of Ghostface, to me is in that conversation. Iconic. When you hear that voice, you go scream. I mean, you hear the TikTok thing. The TikTok thing is Roger L. Jackson's voice, the scream thing, you know, and he just delivers it. I want to play a game. Like, just the way he says things. But they start talking about, you know, the horror slasher genre. Which, you know, Scream, it does a great job of bringing credibility to horror films. But they make fun of slasher films. They make fun of reboots. They make fun of things. Which is fun and all. And I respect him for doing that. Wes Craven obviously was a, one of the 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 masters of horror, like to say. I'm more of a John Carpenter fan. But Wes Craven is in that conversation my fan, in my opinion. So, back to the movie. So, Saria, she's she's blinded or whatever and she gets jumped by the ghost face stabbed good bloody gory kills open up she gets stabbed to death and whatever then you turn around and um excuse me as I take a drink of my water real quick the ghost face killer takes his mask off and all of a sudden as my stepson was sitting right, he, my girlfriend was sitting to my left. Little man was in... the, uh, Sorry. Both were sitting my left, but little man was in the middle of me and his, little man was in the middle between me and uh, his mom. And he goes, oh, we already know what the killer is. I said, ah, the squirm's coming. So I like that idea. And then you run into the guy he's a student at this campus and he runs into Jenna um, Ortega's character as I'm going to pull up this, the casting because I have a bad time. I'm one of those people that if I see you enough films, sometimes like I will remember... Uh, Tara, Tara Carpenter, excuse me. I will remember more for, um... For what... Outside of our films. Like, Jenna Ortega, she's the new Wednesday. She's been in X. She's been in a lot of films. So, she's got this Tara character she's being is pretty bad... She's pretty good in. Um... Excuse me. So, you find out that... I'm trying to think real quick. Um... Uh, obviously he's telling her she's telling him to come to this party yada 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 they're all going to this party and basically he goes back to his ho- his his room and he goes in there and also some cool easter eggs you see Jason takes Manhattaners in this film you also see a um, a horror podcast god dang it the, the name escapes me but it, it's actually a really good one if you go back and look at it you'll see it's on the plaque of the wall by the TV and you see that, and then, of course, you find out this guy is sitting there, and he's talking about, we did this, we got, f- we, he gets a phone call from the guy, he's supposedly his roommate, and they're both part of this Ghostface cult or something like that. They want to finish the film, was started in Woodsboro, supposedly. Same motive. And you find out that there's another Ghostface face and he's that, that, that basically got in an RA, killed the other one, and killed him. And it, you, the tension you built, it was very nice. And I love the scene where he goes... At the end, where he's about to die, before he gets killed, he goes. We will finish the film. He goes. Who gives a fuck about a movie? And he gets he gets killed. It's nice. Um, but I will say this: like opened up it was great. I will also, I'm, like I said, I will get this. I've seen some people online criticizing Melissa Barra as Sam Carpenter at Sam Carpenter, the, obviously the main girl, the the, the, the little gemini daughter of Billy Loomis. And I will let you know that. To be honest with you, I am a fan of her. I think she's really good in this. I think she has that stone face look on her. She looks like she's a deer in the headlights sometimes. But I think she does a good job overall. But obviously, you know, they bring the core four back, as you name They bring back Sam. They bring back Mindy. They bring back Ethan. They bring back... um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, not Ethan. Uh, they bring back Chad, excuse me. And then they bring back, um, you know, obviously Tara. Tara's dealing with the thing. Sam, uh, Sam's being very unprotected, well protected And you see Sam in the scene. She's talking to a therapist. And who... Um, good Lord. Um, excuse me. Uh, you see him. She's talking to a therapist. And he had... She basically scares the therapist. about Henry... Because uh, he who was in... You have seen him around. He's been in a lot of films. He's been in like... He was actually in Ready or Not. He was the father in Ready or Not. And... So, he's in there being a therapist, and he's talking, doing all this and that. And, basically, Sam said it felt right killing Richie and old girl from the last film. And it kind of freaks him out. He has to report to police. or so something to report to police. Plain and simple, when I go back and look at this, and I think about the setup, the tension you feel, you can feel the uneasiness of Sam starting to open up to him and talk to him. He would see the therapist is freaked out. He's scared shitless. Um... You go back to Sam goes back to the apartment. With, they have a roommate who is um, named Quinn. She is uh, having sex with a dude. So already a red flag, you know. If you have sex in a horror film, you automatically die, supposedly. So I knew I was a red flag. Like, oh, she's gonna die. <laughs> so, well, outside, outside Sydney, uh, outside Sydney Prescott, but uh, in the first screen. So she goes and finds out that, that Tara went to this party. She's protected. That we go back to the party, the whole core, the part of the core four is there, and this guy walks up on um, Tara, takes some tries to take her up, take basically take her upstairs. You know, you see this all the time. Parties goes up there, to take advantage of it with some fireball, blah, blah 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 And then Sam shows back up, and she tastes the guy in the nuts. Then they go on the street, Tara and her get into it, and then somebody throws alcohol or cherry so- uh, cherry soda on her, and they get into it. Then you find out that they found out about the killings on the news Sam freaks out she wants to move out of New York then you get a phone call from Quinn Bailey's father Wayne Bailey who is a detective and he calls and calls him down to the station now I got up when I got to the station to go use the bathroom but I came back in rise right or leave it, and then you hear the voice of Ghostface and then we get to that scene where Ghostface chases him down with his his tarred up mask that looks really good and by the way, I like that they took that from Halloween. The Halloween, the new Halloween trailer got the tarred up mask, like it's aged. I like that look. Now, I actually might buy it and add it to the collection in the bedroom. I got a horror theme collection going on in my bedroom right now. But um, they walk into the convenience store and it and get fellows, people, ladies, whatever. If y'all thought that they showed a lot, they didn't show you nearly half of it. So it's a lot of that. what you saw the trailer, you go to the theater or you go watch at home. You're going to like it. Um, and to be honest, the tension was there. Jenna Ortega has got these facial looks down to the point where it's just like she is just money. The way she looks, you can see the sense of fear. Sam has that too, but Jenna has just that that stone look, like that face of like innocence, like oh my god, I don't want to die type. And the killings in this once again, this ghost face is up to, up to a thousand. The, I mean, the bloodshed is great in this. They get out of there, and it goes to it. They go back to later. You find out they all have a meeting, uh, basically outside on campus, and basically, Mindy, the because the nephew of uh, the the niece of Randy, is breaking down the thing. Like this isn't a legacy; we're in a franchise now, so we're making fun of franchises. And she starts running out. Ethan Landry is obviously Chad's roommate, and he's involved. He's a suspect, and even the girl that uh, uh Aquino is a suspect too. Whatever. So they all meet up, and while this is going on, um, they go to a scene where you see Kirby is back. And uh, by the way, it was nice seeing Kirby. Uh, nice seeing um, um, Hannah Patatine back as Kirby. She was one of my favorite people from Screen Four. I didn't know that she died. I thought she had. We never knew she died, but we had a little Easter in Screen Five that she was still alive, which may which makes me happy. But she's alive and she's in this, and you find out. They're studying the cases of the murderers and everything else and blah, 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 blah. And she leaves the, the <clears throat> obviously, the, the Wayne Bailey, Wayne Bailey, the detective, um, tells him to call down in Atlanta to find out something about Kirby. So, right there, we should raise your eyebrow like, what's going on? So, then we go back and we get a scene to where they're all going to be united as one and you see a scene where one the Ghostface killer uh, breaks in or basically rings the doorbell of the detective's front door, uh, the uh, uh, Sam's psychiatrist, excuse me, therapist or psychiatrist, whatever, and he stabs him in the eye, like right in his face. He dies in the the middle of the, dies. Goes in and grabs Sam's file. So obviously you know what that happens. So they get a phone call about it. They leave. And then you find out Sam has a relationship with a guy across the street. And this is a kind of, this is one thing I, um, his name's, Da- His name is Danny Brackett, played by Josh Sharaga, who's been in um some films. He's been in like, <clears throat> been in like Dog Arrow. He's been on a lot of TV shows, but I was kind of interested because he kind of played the dumb jock style guy in this. If you watch it, you know what I'm coming from. But they have a they have a quiet relationship. They want nobody to know about it. Um, and also um, what is it um. Sam, obviously, uh, they're distraught about everything, what's going on. They find out, and then they break the news that they are in a relationship when he comes into the house to see what's going on. he th- She throws him out, whatever thing that happens. And then, of course, you get the next scene where the, they are all in there. Um, Everybody is in there about to have a party, and that's when we get the name of the core four. They're talking, and the next thing you know, Danny sees in the other window in Mindy's room that Ghostface is in there, and he, the Ghost one, the Ghostface ghost killer is in there, and he goes crazy. He's trying to keep calling Sam. Sam denies it, and then of course they get pictures sent to him of that Mindy's been hacked up. They go in there, Mindy is dead, and then we get some intense kill scenes where Mindy gets stabbed, get, Kana, I can't say her name right. She gets stabbed. She gets stabbed. And then they do this scene where they're fighting off, and they do a um they they get this this scene right here is one of the and actually this is one of the most tense scenes you'll find in this franchise. Danny finds an old school ladder and he it's long enough to reach the, his window to theirs outside apartment. There's a, but there's like a 15, 20 foot drop. And basically he lays out and Sam one by they gotta crawl across here. They blocked door. Mindy, and uh, obviously Mindy is gay in this. She's a lesbian. So her and Akio are talking about, I love you. I'm going to make it. And Akio gets a, uh, she's going to make it across. And all of a sudden, Ghostface Killer comes back, shakes the ladder, and the ladder falls. And she falls to her death. And as she's falling, her head hits a trash can, and she dies instantly. So to me, that is really clever. Also, we did into a scene previous where they were leaving the police station. Gail got punched in the face by, uh, by Tara. Because Gail, back to Scream 1, wrote a book on it. And they tell you, where well, you're losing your fame. By the way, Courtney Cox, has got she's starting to age a little bit. It's not knocking against Courtney, but she's starting to age a little bit. She's showing her age. You know, I mean, I love her. I love Courtney. She's been in, uh, you know, Scream has been really good to her. And it's kept her alive, honestly, after all these years. Mm. Now we get more into the film. Obviously, they find out what happens. And then we get to the scene where everybody's there, and the detective comes out, uh, who is played, uh, excuse me, uh, Willie Willie Bailey comes back, and he sees his daughter. He's crying, like you fuck with my family. It will raise my eyebrow because this acting wasn't the best in this, and it kind of made okay. Maybe he's just not being too dramatic, but I kept I raised my eyebrow thinking he knows something, like something's up. And that's when I was like, yeah, okay. So. We get to the scene, and they end up meeting, they end up meeting Kirby, and they go to this old rundown theater, and you see, you see where Ghostface is and it's a really cool set, like, it's all this police evidence, and Kirby, and they ask Kirby, how did they get this, there's a lot of dirty cops, they sell shit, which makes you think that Kirby get this, to shrine to pull these people in, but anyway, uh, then they track her down. They tra- and for a two-hour movie, this film goes rather quickly to the point where I'm like, yes, yes, yes. This is what I'm saying about two hour films. You can pace a really good film and make it you don't have to do two hours, 30 minutes of a film, or try to cram everything in 90 minutes. If you make a two hour film and make it sense and make it and make it great, it's good. And I'm watching this film going, This is gonna be one of the better ones of the franchise. This is gonna be a sequel we watch it when you're first seeing the first hour of it, you're going, or the first ninety minutes of it, you're thinking Boy, this is gonna be one of the best ones of the Fred This is gonna be we talk about great horror sequels. This one's gonna be mentioned in it. And then, you know, they set up a trap to catch him. And the Ghostface killer calls him and they they he then they let him know that he's at Gail's, he's at Gail's apartment, kills Gail's new boyfriend, who we have no idea about. And of course, Gail ends up um <clears throat> Gail ends up with a really good fight. And this is where I start nitpicking. Right around here in the middle of this fight is where this film, the third act. Starts taking a nosedive to a point where it it starts out well. They have a great scene where Gail, I mean her boyfriend, get the sh- got the shit killed out of him. There's a great scene where Ghostface appears and he wipes the blood up in the background. when He's sitting on like this top mantle or the steps, and it's just shot really cool. Like it was like a, a like a one shot line and darkness behind him, like a like a like a like the sun going down. they like it's mid mid dark, and I just thought it was really cool. Chases Gail throughout the house, good intense moments, good fighting, bam, 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 whatever. And then Sam uh oh, excuse me, uh Gail gets into her closet, get and she's fucking with her lock case, she gets her gun out and she fires three shots. And of course the killer calls. <clears throat> and as the killer calls, she just she gets out of the room and he goes, and the killer's gonna say, You may have hurt me, you may have hurt me, you may have hurt me. And all of a sudden, Gail gets out of this room. And this is where I started nitpicking Gail Weathers has been in this. Uh, Courtney Cox, the killer who plays the character Gail Weathers, she has been in this film in this series since 1996. She's been battling all these types of ghost faces. Now, there's now I'll reveal at the end of it, and she literally, <laughs> she literally, literally, um, walks out of the room. Fires more shots at a damn door. Walks out instead of isolating herself, waiting for the cops because the cops are obviously on their way now because they find out what's going on. And obviously Tara, Sam, and the rest of the crew are coming. Literally, she walks out of the room and now goes to figure any other way at every corner. She made a mistake. Now, I understand people say, well, you know, it could be just a, you know, people screw up, make mistakes. No, you're dealing with serial killers. You're dealing with this thing. You obviously know this. You're a, a journalist. You're smart enough to know this. Journalists that really study and investigate things, especially reporters like the character Weathers, they're really smart. They don't make mistakes. They do, and like, really, when they really do their job right, they research well. They don't make mistakes. So that right there made me pop that was a red flag. I'm like, okay, that's a negative. That, that like, they try to get way too clever. And they end up Screwing themselves Halfway of it was great But the execution of it Could have been so much better Of course Now she's out And him, Goldface gets her And he They have a great tense Where he stabs her In the stomach glass And she's going to Stab her in the face And you think She goes fuck You think okay Gail is going to die You hear some score music like okay They're going to kill Gail off And of course The girls come back in they And they shoot at her she gets away And then that's when you find out, and they also Gail did announce earlier in this film that they they asked about Sydney. She said she's sending regards. But he's taking the kids. She's getting. She's going to hide. So obviously they left Sydney Cannon in this. They didn't forget about her, but they just let her say, "Okay, we're going to keep you out of this. We're not going to bring it up." Um, and I will give you my thoughts on Scream Seven. If they do make it, will she come back? I hope. And I will give you my thoughts on it. So. Now, Gail passes out. We don't know if she's dead or not. There's no expect, expect her pulse is low, so they don't know if she's alive or not. Nobody questions it. Nobody, I don't think she's even confirmed. And she's still alive. The group meets, um, as you know, the group agrees to meet Kirby at the, the theater. The trap goes face. And then they go to the subway platform. Now, this scene that I thought they ruined this by showing way too much. And they didn't show enough. They show it's a good slow build. And the lights going off. And Mindy does get stabbed by Ghostface. And Ethan, the guy who is Chad's roommate, who Mindy is, is suspecting he, he's this, gets over and helps her out. And then, and then of course, we get to the climax where they shut everything and you find you see them all go separate and Kirby walks off to the right so me raise my eyebrow I'm like I'm thinking please for the love of God do not make Kirby the killer in this and by the way Mindy does go to the hospital with Ethan and he she suppose he supposedly is okay now we get in there and then the detective calls Wayne calls him said he finds out that Kimmy was fired from the FBI months prior for being mentally unstable (laughs) and then of course while that's going on before that Mindy sees a vision of her father and Billy is talk, talking to her telling her don't this make great and he, she grabs his, the original knife for the first film to defend herself of course the two ghosts face appear I know where they attack Chad and I thought they and they each stabbed and they got it Chad like, I was like this is good they run away and then as they they're trying to skip they meet in the middle of the theater Kirby and Wayne both arrive with their guns drawn And they're going back for Wayne says, don't trust her. Kirby goes, what the fuck? I got hit by a rocket. What What are you talking about? And he shoots Kirby. And you find out that Wayne is what the... And you find out in this film, there's not one. There's two. There are three ghost faces. Wayne is a ghost face killer. And he orchestrates the killing with his children. One, Ethan finds a son. And the other one, Quinn, who we thought was dead but wasn't. And that's when I didn't like this. I said... If his acting was a little bit better, I would have never suspected Quinn. But they threw one at us. And they, that they are the that they are there to avenge their death of Richie from the fifth film. So they fight off. And this is where, right there, the way it was delivered, it was just like, if you could have just executed this just a little bit better to now, it's just like, why? You had me going with Kirby there, but why did you... But it's just... The way that Wayne's character was acting in this, there is a scene after everything where him and Tara, uh, him and uh, not, him and Tara running each or Sam, excuse me running running each other. It is so hokey and bullshit. It was laughable in a bad way. Like it was laughable with a cringe. The way he was running at running running at her. Obviously, they um, they they fight off and Tara. Has the best kill in this movie. She stabs Ethan through the mouth in a scene where she's hanging on. She says, "Let me go." She comes down. Ethan stabs her, and he stabs her through stabs him through the mouth. Like it was one, it, the easily the best kill in this film. One of the best, not only the best horror kills I've ever seen, but easily top tier in this franchise. And then Sam gets revenge by killing Quinn. I mean, she beats. And then obviously they the fight happens on top of the roof. And, and Sam actually grabs, she actually shoots Quinn in the head with Kirby's gun. Kirby lives through this again. And they have that fight at the end. And at the end, they um, Wayne wakes up. And Wayne wakes up. And... Um, Wayne wakes up and he finds he's in the room and he's talking about you got killers in your blood. And this whole thing was because they want they didn't believe that Richie did all this. Like, Richie could not have done all this. Basically, they were trying to get revenge for their son because he was trying to get rid of the world of Sam, basically. Which makes sense. I mean, people, there's folks like this all the time are out there. But at the same time, it makes you go like, huh? Anyway, so they're going back and forth. Yada, yada, yada. And... Um, basically, she dances, Ghost and she stabs him, and she goes, You're right. And they have, I can't remember the way they climaxed, but they climaxed in a way, and they climb in the way. And then, um, and I can't remember what it was, but I can't remember what the quote was. But she was getting ready to kill her, and then Kirby comes out of nowhere with the, the TV that was in there that killed Stu. Master of the head, killing him. Kills, it flat out kills, um, kills, uh, God damn It It kills, um, I'm sorry, Wayne. And the, the next thing you see the cutout, they see the scene where you hear the classic theme, red right hand. They're sitting there talking. They're walking out. And then you see Kirby's low on a stretcher. She goes, if you guys ever need this, we're a family. We're in this together. So I'm leaving the heat that Kirby's going to help them. She's going to be back, which makes me ha- happy. Uh, Sam and Tara, Sam agrees to let Tara live her life more independently, and Tara grows to agree to therapy. So they have it Mindy, and here's the thing Chad is still alive after being stabbed 19 fucking times, which I'm surprised. I don't know how he lived that. And then Mindy, who was just stabbed in the stomach, comes running out of nowhere like nothing's wrong with her. And Sam, as we're the one with the ambulance, um, her boyfriend shows back up, Danny, they're all going to leave. And Sam opens up a bag. She sees her father's mask. And, and Terry goes, Sam, you come in. She drops the mask. And they walk off in the scene in New York City. And that's the way it ends. And then they had a post-credit scene where we wait, and We find out what it's supposed to be. And then you hear Mindy go, there's shit. There's everything is in your post-credit scene. And it ends. So it's kind of funny. So here's what I think about this. And this is, I am probably missed a lot of key elements. But I broke down what I can remember the most. I did see this film on a Friday. I enjoy this movie a lot. Um, I'm gonna rank the franchise right as soon as I get finished review. But here's what I say: the first 90 minutes of this film is probably the, one of the best, well done parts of this franchise since the first one, in my opinion. The third act, however, gets a little too clever for itself. They try to do too much, and also the fact that you have made this point where you're giving the legacy characters the old the, the 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 founding the founders the mount the. The Founders, the Founding Fathers, I hate to use that term because we're talking about Gail in this too. Whatever. Gail for somebody, man, she may be getting older. she may get wiser, wise, but come on. You make mistakes, but it doesn't make sense. I felt like they should have killed Gail off. I think it would have meant more if they did it. I think killing Gail Weathers off would have meant a lot more in this. Her acting in Screen 5 was not the best. She's solid in this, but that little mistake she made, it was just like, that would have been the perfect opportunity to kill her off, but she got saved again. She's been saved how many times? She got saved in screen four, five. She barely made it, and then six. Now it's like three times in a row. She's getting close. It's just like you need to pull the trigger on that, because if you're going to bring Sydney back, which for seven, which I think they will, I really believe that it could be a good reason to you know get Gil out of there. Um, so on a scale of one to ten. Like I said, I did enjoy this. The ending was great, but the just the ending was solid. It just I wish they had just executed a little bit better and just try not be so clever. And also the Wayne Wayne speech of how to do this and why they did this is just and and Quinn and Ethan's acting is just a little too over the top to me. And I'm just like, huh, whatever. But overall. On a scale of 1 to 10, it's another solid Scream franchise. I'm going to go give it an eight and a half, 8.5 out of 10. I recommend you go see this. I recommend you add it in this good collection. So I really enjoyed it. And I am excited for Scream 7. Before I get my thoughts on Scream 7, let's rank this franchise. There are six films in the Scream franchise. And I will start six being the lowest, one being the highest. So, And I will let you know, there, there is not a bad film in this franchise. The last one I'm about to name right now, the the, the worst one in this franchise, quote-unquote, is still a watchable slasher film compared to some slasher films. Anyway, so number six, the worst of this franchise or the least favorite in my opinion is Scream Three. And it takes a lot of hokey vantages. There's only one killer in this, but just little things I just don't understand and get with it to the point where it was like it felt like a cash grabbed me and it felt like there could have been some things done differently with it with it. And it's still it's still a watchable slasher, but it's just not that good. It's okay. Now, five to one up here, man. There's not a bad one. There's not a bad one in this franchise. So number four to number five to me, excuse me, I'm gonna go with Scream Four. I like Scream Four. I am a fan of Scream Four. I think it's really good. I think Emma Roberts was a really good character. I like Kirby in this. But once again, you kind of see one of the killers coming a mile away. And the fact that you've had this murderous thing happen, there's no cop in the third act, there's no cops on standby to the point I'm like scratching my head, like, really? Okay, makes a lot of sense, I guess. But Scream 4 is really good. Number 5, or number 4, excuse me, I will go with, and this is not a controversial take, but it's still really good, is Scream 5. Scream 5 to me was really damn good. It did a lot of good things. My biggest issue with Scream Five was once again the first hour of this film. It feels like they they put they they just I feel like they made it so easy to guess the killer. Like at least screams like I talked about Scream Six and uh, like moments ago, At least Scream Six led us down a path like we didn't know who it was. We kind of figured out who it was in this, and all of a sudden now Sam is an el- el- eligible. Uh, a child of Billy, uh, they throw that in there, which I'm fine with. But Dewey's executionist, i like Dewey going getting killed, but at the same time, it was one of those like the way he's killed. You cannot tell me that the girl that killed him obviously did that. It just does not make sense. And another thing, Gail Weather's acting in that is not the best. And the and I felt like they those legacy characters they brought in was kind of just. They were just thrown in there. They weren't really executed well. And Nev did a, like, Sidney's really good in it, obviously, but it still could have been better. But overall, it's still a damn good sequel. Top three, baby. And I was debating back and forth on this, and I swear to God, I almost, like I said, but what happened was that third act had just been executed a little bit better. Scream 6. Scream 6 is number three for me. I really enjoy Scream 6. I will watch it again when it comes on. Streaming, or I'll, obviously when it's able to buy, I will watch it. I love it. I still like it a lot. I just feel like the third act could have been just a little bit better. That's all. Obviously, the top two. Here we go. Number two, Scream 2. Scream 2 is one of the better horror sequels in, not even just one of the better sequels to watch and just horror, but incidentally, In my opinion, it does a lot of things good. And it's got a badass third act to reveal you had no idea what was going on. And it's still a damn good movie. I know people have their issues with it, but I like Scream 2. I still like it and I'm a big fan of it. Critically, it was very successful. And I know fans had issues with it. I don't know why, but overall, definitely like it. But number one is always going to be the OG Scream Screen bot brought horror back. The 1996 Scream brought back the horror genre. If anybody knows, the 70s and 80s, especially the 80s, was slasher crazy, and it kind of killed horror films. They had some successful ones. They had Candyman. They had some other ones. I can't name. Army of Darkness came out. Um, but it really wasn't nothing. It wasn't like the 80s. in Scream in 96, like, it, and a lot of people know this that were. Not, I wasn't obviously, I was three years old when this film, the first Scream came out. But I remember buying the VHS because how cool the cover was. Uh, I bought it at a flea market. I was about nine years old the first time I watched Scream. And I remember watching it just being amazed at the, 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 how this film was just, it was just such a, such a cool movie to watch. Well, you go back and look at, um, <clears throat> excuse me. You go back and look at things with Scream. As you're watching it, you realize like, okay, this is set up to do this. This is set up to do that. To the point where they have rules now in horror films they made up. Wes Craven was a genius to to figure that out, and put it, in. and just also the casting. You know, all the great young characters in this. You know, it's iconic to the point where you go back and look like it saved horror films. It made them relevant. And also, uh, while well, I was getting to it before I went on a tangent, Scream, you hear this from people that were out when they were teenagers and that film came out. You hear them, they don't. They didn't like Scream when it first came out because all of a sudden everybody was oh, I like horror movies. I like Scream. And people fell a little way about that. Like, no, you weren't motherfucker. Like, you just shit on horror films. But that's what I'm saying, guys. That's my final ranking of that franchise. I will post that on my Facebook, obviously, too, as well. I'm going to take a little swig of this water real quick. So there's two things I want to address. Not so it, two things with the sequel. One, should Sydney Prescott come back for Scream Six? I mean Seven. I think she should. They kept her alive. They said she's taking kids. She's going to step away for a little while. I hope she comes back. I really do. And the the producer and director came out and said they want they would love for that to happen. And one last thing, the Stu the Stu rumors. Is he alive? Is he dead? Kirby mentioned it. He goes well. If Stu was dead. He goes. Do you really believe that? Anything could happen. We don't know if Stu's dead. He did have a TV dropped on his fucking head. Um, I think we need to let that rumor lay to the rest. Because if you do bring Stu back and you kill him, like, what does that do? I would personally think if you do bring Stu back, how are you going to make it relevant to how to get out of prison? How do you escape insane the asylum? They were teenagers in the first screen, but at the same time, like, it wouldn't make sense, don't you think? So, I think they're at a, they're fig- they'll are they're figure some creative way out. And also, I will prompt another pro- positive about the, the Scream 6. They did a good job of utilizing, utilizing New York, in my opinion, as well. So, obviously, guys, that's my take on Scream. And Scream 6, the franchise, everything else rumors. Now, let's talk about The Last of Us. That's a trick a trick of water. This is going to be a long episode, by the way, guys. Maybe one of the longest ones I've done. So, basically, everybody knows that... Uh, I have played... I am a Sony PlayStation guy. I'm not a PC gamer. I'm not a Microsoft guy. I'm a Sony guy. I'm a PlayStation guy. And it, I have played The Last of Us. I'm in the middle of Part 2 right now. I have played The Last of Us on the PS3, beat it. I played on my PS4, beat it. I bought Part 2 of The Last of Us, and I got like maybe 20, 30 minutes into it, and I got distracted and never played it again. I bought my PS5... And I have been playing part 2 from my PS4 because of my, obviously, my my PlayStation tag and shit. So I'm playing it and I enjoy it. I still believe that I am a, uh, Res- when I come to horror games, I always say uh, Resident Evil will always be the one. Resident Evil 4 will always be the one for me. But I always say there's not a better story, line, story game that has a better climax, ending, or just from point A to point B than The Last of Us. It's a classic. So I was very excited. I was excited about the casting in this and everything else. And I'm not gonna go through episode through episode through episode. I plan on doing that, but it was just too much. I'm gonna let you know this. On a scale of one to ten, this fucking series is perfect. It's not there's not one negative thing I can point out. I know people have a big issue with episode three or four, the gay couple episode. Everybody made a big fucking deal about that. I didn't give a shit to be honest with you. I felt like they I felt like they spent way too much on that and they could have done a little bit more with Joel and Ellie in that, but it is what it is. Um you know, they gave off, you know, the, the, I mean, the castiness is just so fucking good. You know, and not only that also, I know people had some issues with Ellie. I think the, the. I'm going to pull up the actress name, actress's name. She was in Game of Thrones, obviously. Oh, excuse me. As I take a... But... Um, obviously, you get you get Peg, uh, Pedro um, Pedro Pascal as Joel, who is obviously the, in the Mandalorian, and you get um, <clears throat> excuse me, and Bella Ramsey as Ellie, and she was in Game of Thrones, obviously. So it was really nice to see um, see, and also the opening. You see, uh, you know, the opening, the the first 15-20 minutes of this episode of this first episode watching it was shot for shot the first 15-20 minutes of the first game. Sarah's death, everything. The action sequences, everything else. And I love how they were able to get this down to the point. I mean, to everything. Um, you know, the Fireflies with the uh, Merlin dangerous as Marlene. She was really good as... Um, I mean, there's just so much in this film. Uh, the, 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 these these i mean just everything in this film um obviously tess Anna Trova's tess she was really good in this and also they gave her and this is one thing i do like they gave some of the characters that die in the game they gave them a better out like Tara's, tess's death in this film i mean this series is a lot better than the video game where she's just gunned down In the game in the i mean the the show she s- blows up a building sacrificing herself it was really good um I liked in episode seven, they did the DLC. We, we find out about Ellie had a past relationship with somebody. Um, I love the scene in Kansas City, the the, the five and six, the, the five and six, uh, or oh, was it four, four? Yeah, it was four and five, the, the lead up to Kansas City and what, the effects of that. I love that about it. I mean, there was just so much in this show that made me just go like, God. I mean, it was just so good. I love the fact of the character Sam being deaf, and I apologize, I'm just r- rubbing off my head. But the ending of this, the ending of this, and I have not seen anybody online bitch about it. To me, if you want to pay tribute to a video game that has the following that the last of us does and want to do something right, the end of it, in my opinion, was done perfectly. See, there's always that thing. People always know, well, Joe's really not a good guy, but people watching this show don't realize when we say this. I was talking to a friend of mine, not a friend of mine, a buddy of mine from work. We're work buddies. We get along. And he was asking me about it. I goes, He's never played it. He's always been a PC guy. And he asked me about it. And I told him, I said, Look, man, I said, You, you, he loved the character Joel. I said, You're going to watch the last episode and you're going to hate Joel or you're going to feel a way about him. He goes, Why? Just watch it. Don't spoil yourself. And he's one of those guys he don't want to be spoiled. About nine o'clock this morning, I got a text message. He goes, You're right. I feel indifferent on Joel. Joel. That scene where you know, you find he finds out what they're going to do with Ellie. And, this scene about how he just wiped through guys. It wasn't long, dramatic. It was quick, fast, bam, bam, bam. It was believable. It was more believable than an episode, I think it was episode, the episode where he come out of nowhere, that stab wound, and he's fighting through everything to get to Ellie. But it, it was more believable than that. But I will say the ending of it, they're walking through the woods, and she has him swear to me when I told, he told me the truth. And he said, yep, he goes, okay. And it ends. Just like in the game and I am excited for part 2 I will state this I will watch this over and over again I will probably go back and watch it to refresh my, my memory but I will state this before and before finally we get a video game adaptation <clears throat> that is worth a damn that is so good to the point where like hell yeah this is great fuck yeah 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 I'm just happy we're getting that takes a little water oh, there we go but everything works, and to this, where I'm so excited now. There, I have read some things that they're not going to go straight into part two. They may go more into what happened. I think what they should do is make the first half of season two what happened in between the years before part one and between part one, and part two. Do something like that to keep it fresh, and then in the by the end of it. We start kicking, rolling things to part two, and then by season three, if the rumors true, they're making a part three a video game. Then they take, then they go into what happens. And I'm not gonna spoil for anybody, but if you play the game, you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Overall, though, guys, I am excited for it. I'm just so happy the HBO got their hands on this. And once, in nine times out of ten, when it comes to television series on HBO, they knock them out of the park, brother. So once again, a perfect television series. I don't have anything really to gripe about or bitch about. I am a big fan of it. Perfect, beautiful. So let's talk about a little NCAA tournament, a little March Madness for you. And oh, I just this just in breaking news. I'm recording on a Monday night. This just in: Grizzlies' Ja Morant enters counseling program in Florida. No timetable for his return. Good for Ja, man. Go get help, man. Get your mind right and figure out what you. you that's good for you, Ja. You got you got the goldmine mine, brother. You have got the goldmine mine. So let's pull up We're going to pull up The tournament bracket And let's go off So by the way I will say this The Kidamades in my opinion Did everything I thought they would I'm not really a fan of this But let's go right here Let's head up here So obviously the play in games As I go back Pull the fucking tournament bracket up Actually you know what I'm just going to pull it up on my laptop Just make it better for everybody And here we go. Let me pull it up. Let's see if we got an image of it. Aha! Here we go. I don't care. I'm not going to print the fucking thing out. Da, da 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 Just pull the bracket down. Where is it? Okay, here we are. Try and get this damn thing to load up, guys. Apologies real quick. Back it up a little bit. I'm trying to pull it up. So. Ah, there we go. Backs off. Okay, so. First games of the year. We've got. Damn, oh, it's too small still. Son of a bitch. Can we get this thing loaded up a little bit better? I hear somebody right now laughing as I'm talking about this. <laughs> you can't get the fucking computer to work. <laughs> what a retard. Hey. <laughs> uh, oh, Lord have mercy. All right. Pull back a little bit. CBS Sports. By the way, um, I that's one thing. NCAA don't ever have not have the. Uh, please keep the Final Four on CBS, please. Just please, please. I beg of you. I beg of you. All right, that's a bracket game. I probably put a bracket in tonight just for the hell of it. All right, here we go. I got a bigger i got a bigger one. So the New York Times finally had it. Thank you. So we're gonna go in the South region. Number one, Alabama. They'll take on the winner the the playing game between Texas A and M E C and Southeast Missouri State. I think Alabama gets through the first round of that one. And by the way, this is just my opinion on games, so don't get butt hurt if I say your team didn't win this or didn't win that. Blah 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 blah. Whatever. Number eight, the eight and nine matchup, which are always the best games of this. The most even-scale games, in my opinion. So, and I'm going to go for region all the way through to the Final Four until I meet all the teams up, and then I go from there. So, Maryland versus West Virginia. Though, obviously, I'm going to roll with... I think Willard has done a good job with Maryland and turning that program back around. I think Bob Huggins is on his last legs at West Virginia to the point where I'm just like, okay, let's see what happens. And I'm going to say... I'm rolling with Bobby Huggins. I just think Bob Huggins gets a win here. It gets to the second round. I could be wrong. This is where the NCAA fucks up. So Alabama versus what? You in the second round? So this is where the NCAA fucks up, in my opinion. San Diego State versus College Charles- Charleston. San Diego State plays their asses off and gets the mount. They get a five seed from the Mount West, and they play a 31 win team, Charleston team. Dad and I were talking today. He don't thinks he thinks San Diego State's going to beat the hell out of Charleston because the last two weeks he says they haven't been playing really well. I think this is an upset alert to watch. But as more and more i think about, I'm going to roll with San Diego State. I think San Diego State wins this and they beat Charleston. Virginia and Thurman. Now, Furman. now, I am an ACC guy. Obviously, Louisville's in the ACC. I'll talk more about Louisville next week on the program, by the way, because I got some big things to talk about with Louisville. But third, Virginia versus Thur- Thurman. And I got to say, and this is just my opinion on this. I am going to roll with Furman. I just think Furman will get the upset. This is one of the the matches in the games I circle like, upset. I'm going to go with Furman over Virginia. They'll play San Diego State in the second round. Creighton over NC State. NC State barely got in. It was questionable how they got in, but I'm rolling with Creighton. Creighton in my opinion, I picked them originally this year to win the Big East early on. They're healthy the right time. They've won 14 out of the last 19 games. They've done a hell of a job. I'm rolling with Creighton in this one. Baylor against USC Barbara. USC uh, Santa Barbara will play them well, but Baylor gets a win here. I think they are. I know they're struggling, but I think Baylor wins. Missouri St- versus Utah State. Haven't seen a whole lot of Utah State. Seen a lot of Missouri. Hell of a turnaround they've had this year. D- uh, Double-digit win, uh, uh, win, 11 more games than they did last year. Obviously, got in the tournament. I'm taking Missouri. Arizona-Princeton. I've been high on Arizona all year long, so I'm going Arizona. So, second-round matchups. We got Alabama versus West Virginia I'm going to roll tide on this one. I think Bama wins it easily. San Diego State versus Furman. I'm going to roll San Diego State. They get to the Sweet 16. Creighton versus Baylor. I think Creighton gets Baylor. I think Baylor has the talent. But I don't think their guards are better than Creighton's. I think Creighton up front gives them a little bit of issues. I think Creighton's is an all-around better team, and I think they get to the Sweet 16. Missouri versus Prince. Uh, Mer- Missouri versus Arizona, excuse me. I think it's a great year for Missouri, but it ends. I got to go with Arizona. So, in the Sweet 16, we got San Diego State versus Alabama, and I'm rolling with Roll Tide. I think they get to the Elite Eight. I think... Sango State has talent, and I think they can give them some problems, but Alabama is just too good. I mean, they got some of the best players in the country playing on that squad, and I think so. And no, I'm not going to address the Brandon Miller situation. Um, I'm leaving it alone with that. I'm talking about basketball here, nothing else. It's unfortunate what happened, but I'm not going to address it. And Creighton versus Arizona. This is a rematch from the Maui, actually. I believe they played each other in the Maui. And I'm rolling with Arizona Wild. I think Arizona gets the win here. So, Arizona, they'll appear to be Arizona versus Alabama in the Elite Eight. And I went back and forth on this, and I'm going to roll this. Alabama has got some great wings. Their guard's really good. However, inside, they're not the best. Arizona has stretches where they give up big runs and games, but they always manage to close them out. I really believe that Arizona is the team in this bracket that has the size to give Alabama problems. Because Alabama don't read. You beat Alabama, you beat them up on the boards. I'm going with Arizona. I think Arizona beats Alabama. And I'm rolling with Arizona. Because of the Final Four. We're going to go across here to the Midwest. And we're going to go in here. The number one seed, the Houston Cougars versus the 16 seed, Northern Kentucky. Northern Kentucky. So obviously you heard me. I have Arizona in the Final Four in the first one. So I, I look at this and I go, hmm, let's think about this. I saw Northern Kentucky play. Um, last week the Horizon game on last Tuesday me and girlfriend and little man went out to the Farmers Coliseum aka the Pepsi Coliseum here in Indianapolis to watch play Northern Kentucky has a really good guard they're really long they get out they create a lot of turnovers but that being said they're they're going home Houston gets this win if uh, if Sasser plays he's probable for the game I think they can get by without him playing this one Iowa versus Auburn don't trust Iowa I think Auburn is way too athletic they, they shoot a lot of threes and they play good defense I'm going with Auburn Miami versus Drake. I know Miami lost their size. They don't have a lot of size to win with. I think Drake can give them a promise. But I'm going to roll with Miami. I really think Miami gets a win here. Indiana versus Kent State. And this is where I start scratching my head because Indiana got a four in this. I thought Miami and Indiana should have flipped in this, my opinion. I'm going to say that I think Indiana has one of the best one-on-one players or the best players down low in the game. Jackson Davis is great going left hand. They can't stop him. I mean, it seems weird. You can't stop a left hander going left, but you can stop somebody going right. It, it, you know, you, you get what I'm saying. People at hoop know what I'm saying. That being said, I think they get by this. I've been back and forth on this. They're going to have their hands full, but I think Indiana gets a win here. Iowa State will face the winner of Mississippi State and Pitt. I will take it is what it is, but I'm thinking Iowa's getting to the to get into the second round or the third round. It's the second round in my opinion, but yeah. Xavier vs. Kennesaw State. Xavier is very underrated. Nobody's talking about him They made a run in the Big East tournament, the chaos short against Pro, uh, against Marquette. But I really, really like Xavier. I think they win. Texas A&M is a seven seed versus Penn State. I saw the people on the line That were giving Texas A&M. They they finished second in the SEC in standings, and they got the seventh seed. And the people were online were bitching about it. And I went back and looked at their schedule, and they had a lot of bad of bad losses in their non conference schedule that came back to bite me ass. They're going to take on a scrappy Penn State team. Hell of a run by Penn State, man, getting the tournament. Scrappy got to the Big Ten title game. Won, had some big wins down the stretch. It goes home this way. They're going to lose, and I think Anden wins. Texas versus Colgate. I thought Texas should have been our number one seed over Kansas, even though Kansas had more quad one wins head-to-head to kick Kansas' ass twice. But nah, I'm not just saying I'm going to roll with Texas. So second-round matchup, Houston versus Auburn. I expect Sasha to be fully healthy, and I'm taking Houston over Auburn. Miami versus Indiana. I think Indiana's going home. I'm going to go with Miami. Even though there's Miami's size limit, I just think Miami's guards are better. I think Indiana needs another. They need – if Xavier Johnson was playing, I would feel more comfortable. But Indiana needs not only just – they need a a good guard play, but they need a good three that can hit some shots. And I like uh, – what's his name? Jessica Hood, whatever it is. But I just think they need more. And – I think Miami will get him on this one. They'll get to the Sweet 16. Iowa State versus Xavier. I think Xavier gets this. Um, I think they'll just take care. Iowa State can be really good, but your best player is basically a 3 and knee guy that really is known for scoring. So, yeah. Texas A&M versus Texas. I'm going to go with Texas. I think Texas is just too much for an A&M. You know what happens? Sweet 16, we got Houston versus Miami. Once again, I'm rolling with Houston. I think they, they will crush you on the glass. This is the team where Miami size, as as well as they rebound for their size. Houston misses a shot. They get three or four offensive rebounds almost every possession. They are one of the best rebounding teams I've ever seen in college basketball, and I've watched a lot of college ball. The Florida teams with Noah and Horford really good. The 2013 Louisville team was a good rebounding team. Um, trying to think of some other teams. There's just a lot. Of, I mean, the Kentucky team that lost to Wisconsin, they were a hell of a rebounding team. There's a lot of great teams, but Houston's offensive rebound, I've never seen anything like it. They get two to three to four, two to four shots per possession. And I'm not an analytic guy, but that's pretty damn impressive. So I'm going with Houston. I think they get to lead eight. Xavier versus Texas. This is going to be one of the matches you're going to look at the, the, the second week in this tournament going, whoo, this is going to be a good one. That being said, I think Texas gets this one. I think they just have talent. The lead eight game. This depends on Sasser's health, I think. If Sasser's healthy, I'm rolling with Houston. If he's not, you got to take Texas. But right now, as I'm standing, I'm rolling with Houston. I think Houston gets the win over Texas. It'll be a great game. And I also believe that it matters to coaching Kelvin Sampson. He'll be fired up on the sidelines. He'll have his fellows ready to rock and roll coach. And it will be rocking. So Houston's in the final four for me. Rolling down here, we're going to go to the East region. And so far, only one number one seed's been knocked out. Let's go. With this. Purdue will take on the winner, of Texas Southern FDU. I'm taking Purdue. They got the best player in the country, Zach Eady, and he's a beast. Memphis versus Floric Atlantic. Floric Atlantic does have thirty-one wins. They're a really good team, but Memphis is at our peak. They got good guard play, good size. I'm rolling with Memphis. Duke versus Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts has some has some experience back. They're really good, but Duke is playing the last ten games. Duke has been playing really well. I'm a roll with Duke on this. They score well inside. Um, they're and they're long and they they're really good defense. They can lock you up. I'm rolling with Duke. Tennessee versus Louisiana. It, it, these four thirteen matches are tricky. 5-12, 4 thirteen are always tricky matchups. And I'm Tennessee at times has looked really great this year in Bowl, and they've looked really like, what the fuck? I'm rolling with Tennessee. I think they get the they get the second, third round, whatever. Kentucky versus Providence. <laughs> Jay Wright said best. He believes this one, the, the winner of this game can get to the Sweet 16. That being said, I'm rolling with Providence. And, then, and I can hear people say, oh, you're a little fan, bro, against Kentucky. No, I believe that Providence is better. I think they have more complete. I think Bryce Hopkins, who did not play at all against Kentucky, he transferred to Providence. I think he is going to dominate, and he's going to have a big game. Unless Oscar, for Kentucky, Oscar Thiebway, or whatever, how you say his last name? Unless he goes in there. And get you 30 and 15 or 30 and 19, unless somebody else comes out and has a big game. Kentucky ain't winning, so they're gonna have to have some. so I'm going with Providence. They're not playing well either right now. Kansas State versus Montana State, I'm rolling Kansas State. Kansas State's very underrated, really good team. Mar- Michigan State, USC, two teams that I really don't care about. Is those really good, USC? Uh, I thought I'd go with USC But I'm just going to roll with Michigan State I think they're going to get a win And the most underrated team in this tournament Nobody's talking about the Marquette Marquette They get there Nobody talks about They are the two seed Marquette gets in It's a win Second round This is going to be. A, this is gonna shock a lot of people Purdue versus Memphis <sighs> Sorry I'm Taking Memphis to knock out Purdue in the first round Here's why Zach Eady is a beast He is a beast but I don't think Purdue's guards are better are good enough to get get you get you to the Sweet 16. I don't think they are unless they get ride Edie, They got the, their their guards have to play big. They have to step up. Kendrick Davis for Memphis can score, and Memphis has a lot of length and size. Eady is going to get his, but other guys around, I don't think anybody else is going to eat, and they're going to neutralize that. And I really believe that Memphis gets the win here, and Purdue is the first number one seed to go home. Duke versus Tennessee. I went with Tennessee when I first looked at this, but I'm going to change my mind here. I'm going to go with Duke. I think Duke gets to the Sweet 16. Providence versus Kansas State, I agree with Jay Wright. I think Providence is going to the Sweet 16. I'm taking Providence. Michigan State versus Marquette. Marquette's just too much for Michigan State. Marquette gets to the Sweet 16. Sweet 16 matchup, Memphis versus Duke, and this is a shocker for a lot of people. I'm going to rule. I think Memphis gets to the Elite Eight. I think they are long enough. I think they're athletic enough. I think they have a guy to get, go get them a bucket. And I think they can give Duke some issues. And I really believe that this is the game where we go, okay, Memphis gets the Elite Eight. Sweet, sweet, the other Sweet 16 matchup, Providence versus Marquette, Mark, uh, a, Big East, a Big East rematch. Providence is really good. They fight. They play hard. But I'm going with Marquette. I think Marquette just gets the win here. So the final four, this Elite Eight game, Memphis versus Marquette, I sat there and thought about it. And I'm rolling with Marquette. I think they're the most underrated team in this, this tournament right now. Nobody's talking about them. And I really believe that I'm, I'm just going to roll with Marquette. I think they're hot right now. I think they get to the Final Four. The final region to talk about. Then we're going to talk about the Final Four. The, the West region. Kansas is the number one seed in this. So let's start with Kansas against Howard. I'm taking Kansas. Kansas, in my opinion, is the best starting five in the country. But their bench is not worth it. It's not great. Got one of the best players in the country, Jabari Wilson. Maybe the best player in the country to some people. Arkansas versus Illinois. I just Arkansas to me. I picked them earlier this year to win the uh, the SEC. I think they're still really good. I think Muncelin has too much talent to be an eight seed. He, I mean, he should have been at least a four, a minimum of a four seed in this, in my opinion. They did have a lot of injuries, but still, I just trust Muncylin's Arkansas team. They're more athletic, and I think they're going to beat Illinois. Saint Mary's versus VCU. This is a tough one. Saint Mary's has had they played some tough games. VCU is hot. I am going to roll with hmm I'm just gonna go ahead and get me a uh I'm just gonna sit there and I'm gonna give St Mary's its due I think St Mary's gets this win I think they get this win and I think it'll be a, it'll be a, a, a good victory I think Connecticut versus Iona and look I'm not taking nothing away against Rick Pitino, but their best their inside presence is kind of beat up right now UConn's turn it on I'm a I think UConn is on the cuff of being back to where it was if people know what I'm talking about in the 2000s, and they won a title in 2014. I'm taking UConn, but in a nail-biter with Iona, a nail-biter. Texas Christian will take on the winners. Um, that's uh, obviously a TCU will take on the winner of the Arizona State-Nevada game. I think Arizona State beats Nevada, but I think Arizona State goes home. I think TCU gets a win here. Gonzaga versus Grand Canyon. Gonzaga needs to be careful, but I think Gonzaga gets a win here. Gonzaga gets a win. Northwestern versus Boise State. I'm taking Boise State. I think they're better than Northwestern. I think they get a win. UNC Asheville versus UCLA. UCLA gets a win. So we go to the second round. Kansas versus Arkansas. Kansas better be careful they play Arkansas because they could be in trouble. But I'm going to go with, obviously, I'm going to go with Kansas. I think they're good enough. St. Mary's versus UConn. If I, I can't remember if I picked who I picked, I, I gave St. Mary's. So St. Mary's versus UConn. I'm going to take UConn. I think UConn is good enough. I think they have a good shot. Um, TCU versus Gonzaga. I'm going to go TCU. I think they get to the Final Four. Boise State versus UCLA. UCLA is just too much. This bottom part of the West is kind of weak in my opinion. We go to the Sweet 16. Let's get in there. Kansas versus UConn. And I put on my Facebook earlier, I put my coast. I picked Kansas to get to the Sweet 16 pick UConn. I'm thinking back and forth on this. UConn, they're on the cuff of coming back. I'm getting Cam- I'm taking Kansas. I think Kansas wins this game. I think they're good enough. They'll get the win. UCLA versus TCU taking UCLA. It's an Elite Eight matchup. We're going to go with Kansas and UCLA. Two-story programs of all time in college basketball. And I will sit there and go with this. I have stated many, many times before. I think UCLA's... Mick Cronin's done a hell of a job at UCLA. I think they're really close, man. But... One of their best players just got hurt recently. Kansas has dealt with some things, but I think they have enough to get a win here, and I think Kansas gets the win here close. So if you look at it, two twos and one make the final four, pretty impressive. So let's go up here. So the first, so the first, uh, the the game between Alb I mean, excuse me, Arizona and Marquette, the two, the two two seeds in the East and South regions. I'm going to roll with Arizona. I think Marquette had a hell of a run, but I think Arizona gets in, gets into the the national title game. And then the Midwest, Houston versus Kansas, and I know there's probably a lot of Jayhawk fans think I'm going to roll with Kansas. I think this is where Bill Self, I think Kansas had a hell of a run getting back to the final fourth win national title this year. But I just think that, sorry, I'm rolling with Houston. Houston wins this. I think Houston gets hot. Their defense, the rebound. I think though Kansas will be wore out and tired by this with their just how many players they play. They're not deep enough. Houston wins. I'm rolling with Houston. National title game. And also, if Sasser's healthy, if Sasser's not healthy, then Texas, obviously you going back, I'm thinking, I'm taking Texas to win it in this, in that region. So here we are, guys. The final one. Arizona versus Houston for the national title game on the Monday night, the biggest Monday night in the world. You know, people say the biggest Monday is Monday Night Football games or the Monday after WrestleMania, Monday Night Raw for WrestleMania. But to me, it's a national title game. ain't nothing better. One shiny moment, everything else. But in my opinion, I think Calvin Sams gets done this year. I think the Houston Cougars are going to win a national championship. And I think it will be great for the pro, the city of Houston, the program in college basketball. Houston wins a national title. I think Houston is. So you heard my predictions on the NCAA, the NCAA tournament. Uh, Final four, I picked... Arizona, Marquette, Kansas, and Houston. And I'm taking Houston to win it all. So once again for our closest shows, I show I appreciate everybody the support. I appreciate the consistency we're having with this podcast. I'm at a great time. And just remember when I close this, the closest show, obviously. I don't bullshit. I just tell it like it is straight up. Go cards. Have a good one, y'all.